the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, and today we have with us Bernie Verhage. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals. We're going to have projections, predictions, and pessimistic viewpoints on LeBron James, most likely. Bernie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mac. All right, we're going to start out, and, you know, sometimes people get to it at the end. We're going to get to it at the beginning. What is your prediction for the Finals? Well, um... I'm going to have to say Warriors and Six. Uh, I don't see much of a chance for the Cavaliers, but like we talked about this before the podcast, it's going to depend a lot on Kyrie Irving. Um, probably, he's. I would say he's the X factor in this series. You know, the, the Warriors are bigger, they're deeper, they play more cohesively. Are they really bigger? Because when you look at some, especially the way that the Cavs are playing without... Kevin Love. Now I know you're gonna bring up real quick the the sizes of the the mid range players there. You can bring that out. What do you have here? Well, you got Bogut who's six ten. Yeah. You've got Iggy or Andre Iguodala who's six six two fifteen. Barnes six eight two twenty five. Green uh, he's six seven two thirty and Clay's six seven two fifteen. So yes, we do have the. The wings and guards who can actually switch off on people and actually physically guard any position they need to. That's been really helpful. It's part of why the Warriors' defense is much better than people really thought going into the playoffs. Hopefully by now they are 100% sure that the Warriors' defense is no joke and it wasn't just some advanced metrics magic trick or something. Mm -hmm. But when you look at who the Cavs are rolling with right now, and I don't have the actual heights here, but Mozgov, 7-foot, about yeah, okay. Then you have Tristan Thompson. I want to say he's six nine, six ten. He's six nine, but his arms are at least seven four. I know his it's arms cr- are insane. It's, it's crazy, yeah. and he jumps out the the building. He's been studying Dennis Rodman to get his rebounding up, and as crazy as that sounds, you can't just name drop Dennis Rodman. But he has looked ridiculous on the boards. There's just plays where he's out of it. Finds a way to get one hand in, tips it to himself, and gets him the ball. Yeah. He's, he's crazy. So he'll be guarding Bogut, though. Or, uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry. Uh, Mozgov will be guarding Bogut. Tristan, he'll probably be guarding Barnes. Barnes plays the power forward when they're playing small, right? Well, it dep- they, they switch up, and that's the big thing. Yeah. Is it's, it's tough to tell most of the time. It depends on who they have on the floor. Because at different times, they've played Jermon Green at the five. Yeah. And... Somehow. I guess that's that's their small lineup. I guess their bigger lineup well, would be Barnes at the Well, there's board. the small ball lineup yeah. where you'd have Bogut or you'd have, man, who else? Uh, Festus Azili. They'll bring him in, and then it just depends on who they're trying to run at any given time. But, yeah, Barnes can play the four. Green plays the four. And even their backup point guard. I mean, you cannot say they're not big. <laughs> Livingston? He's I'm not six, saying seven. they're not big, but in terms of the way we describe big, they have the height, but... It's like saying, okay, you just named off guys that are 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, None of them are big in comparison to LeBron James, who's still just 6'8". But LeBron James will freight train them. I know, but so you yeah, LeBron will, but not Shumpert and JR. Well, Shumpert will shut down whoever's on the wing, which is the only thing he's tasked with doing. So, Shumpert on Curry, probably going to win that in terms of physicality. Now, we know Steph Curry gets off his own shot wherever he wants it. But physically, we're talking about being big. It's one thing to be tall. It's another thing to be big. The Warriors, really, Bogut and Green are the enforcers. But on that end, you're talking Mozgov is a brute. Tristan Thompson, at least physically, has the athleticism to be a brute, whether he actually uses it that way. Uh, and then LeBron James, obviously, anytime you go, whether he's at the three or you put him at the four, that's going to be the interesting thing. Who are you guarding him when the Cavs go small? Because... I mean, at this point, LeBron, I mean, he rolled through the Hawks, who actually had a better matchup with Damari Carroll, although he got injured, and then having Millsap, who was already a stretch four. So they were built to shut down a small ball Cavs lineup, and it didn't happen. So that will be an important thing to watch against the Warriors. You say, you say that they're, they're big, but are they strong? I wouldn't, have compare, I wouldn't compare the Hawks' defense to the Warriors' defense. No, but, I, but I would compare the Cavs, the way they're playing right now, to the Grizzlies' defense, and we saw how much trouble that gave the Warriors early on. And the only thing that stopped the Grizzlies from actually making that a series was the fact that they don't have the offense. 
the Cavaliers do have the offense. Yeah, the Cavaliers do have the offense. Both okay, so both the Warriors and the uh, Cavaliers are number one and two so far in playoff offensive efficiency. I don't know. Do you trust the Hollinger NBA? I I do. Okay, I it's, do it's points I do, per one hundred percent. So right? okay. Uh, the offensive ratings, the ones I looked up, the Cavs were actually higher on the offense and defensive ratings. But, as we've yeah. mentioned, it's in I the East. That. So, yeah. the difference exactly. could be easily just quantified as facing lesser talent. But I don't I don't necessarily buy that too much in terms of this playoffs. Because although the West is better, the Warriors went through a Pelicans team that was not ready to do it. It was simply Anthony Davis by himself. Then you go Grizzlies, as we said. At least they were above five hundred. That's that's fair, but I would actually, I would take the Celtics if like they, Celtics were playing well. They were playing the last thirty games of the season. I would take the Celtics. I mean, they really don't have that person like Anthony Davis to threaten you. But I would rather face Anthony Davis where I know that that's where all of your offense is coming from, rather than face the Celtics who actually were playing good team basketball. They have a good coach. They just well, Bradley Stevens is going to take over the world apparently. But he needs a he needs a superstar first, and it doesn't look like they're getting one unless they they start moving some assets, which they've built him up like crazy the last couple of years. But the Cavs also then they had to go through the Bulls, and now the Bulls were missing Pau Gasol for what two or three of those games, and not only was that happening with the Bulls, but then you have talks of your coach getting canned. Well, the talks of that was I mean, that had been going on all year, but they really escalated during the playoff series, which I think. That's stupid that the ownership allowed that to happen. I know with media, with the social media, that's really hard to avoid. But you've got to keep that stuff private. I honestly don't think it really ramped up in terms of the playoffs because it was such a foregone conclusion. Like, Fred Hoiberg might as well have signed that contract back in February. Yeah. Everybody knew. Now, in terms of it being a talking point, that's what happens when you face adversity and the media has to sell a story. Yeah. That's not so much about what people are doing behind the scenes. The Bulls organization, I mean, they didn't handle it too well if you saw the uh, press release for yeah. when they fired him. Yeah. But they also weren't doing anything before that. It's been set up. All of their moves were well before now. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that really factored in. But if you're going comparisons, I would say that the Bulls... Cavs series would be like the Warriors Grizzly series, except which is more of a test. Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose driving, attacking, or is it the Zach Randolph, Marcus All just dominant front court that they had to deal with? Both of them faced something that they weren't necessarily prepared to face, and both of them came out smelling like roses. So. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't see the big advantage in terms of what happened in the West because, you know, the Warriors played, the best team they faced was the Rockets, and they faced the Rockets finally at the end of that run. The Rockets had just gone through that tough series with the Clippers, and they sort of had a letdown. They didn't have the bench that they needed to face the Warriors anyways. I mean, pretty much the only team that would have competed with the Warriors was the Spurs, and the Clippers just outgunned them, luckily down the stretch in that first series. Yeah. So the Warriors didn't have to face this dominant West. The dominant West really, actually the whole thing fell apart when the playoffs happened. You have the Trailblazers with Matthews out, and they were pretty much a lame duck. Everybody wanted to face the Trailblazers pretty much. You have getting, instead of Westbrook coming in at the very least, battering you physically, they instead get the Pelicans, which was fun to watch Anthony Davis, but they gave the Warriors no pressure in that series so I would say going into the finals I still look at it as the Cavaliers have earned that right to be there they faced what would have been a better team in the Hawks than the Rockets if not for Carroll's injury early on in that series I think that would have been a tougher test than what the Rockets had going into but the fact is you know there was Carroll's injury there was Cephalosha's involvement with the police and the the Hawks themselves, you know, I I was doing some research, and they, you know, when they when you don't have a superstar, which you can win a championship without a superstar, that has, it has been done, you know, you know, for instance, the Celtics, they were a game seven away from winning the championship without even an all star on the team, and so it can be done. But the difference is when you don't have a LeBron or you don't have a James Harden, that foundation can collapse very easily. There's a lot less room for error, 
and that's what the Hawks were. You know, I look at them as like a poor man's Detroit Pistons, you know, the 2000, the 2004 Detroit Pistons. At least that team was, you know, insane on defense. You know, the Hawks, you know, they, they got their 60 wins. They were great on offense. You know, they were good on defense, but not great on defense. And uh, once you take out, you know, Teague and Corver, they were slumping. You know, even without, even before Corver's injury for one. That's another thing we didn't even talk about. Corver got hurt. And that they were, but, but even before that, they were slumping. And when you have Teague slumping, Corver slumping, you know, Millsap was a little bit banged up. Horford got ejected when he shouldn't have got ejected. I don't see the Cavs because, it, I mean, it just crumbled. We watched the Hawks. I mean, even before the Cavs, they weren't playing well. They, they were playing bad before they got to the Cavs. I am just not – I am very impressed with LeBron. You know, this is five times in a row. You can't take that away from him. But as far as the Cavs' victory, I'm not that impressed, and I think that's a big reason why I don't expect – you know, there's a lot of reasons I don't expect the Cavs, the Cavs to beat the Warriors. But that's another one is I don't – I think they're in for a rude awakening. However, you know, you can interrupt me whenever you want. <laughs> I know I, I'm kind of going on a spiel here right now. I'm okay with it. It's a good spiel. Yeah, I said the same thing. After the Celt- after the Heat, when you know LeBron's Heat, when they uh, had to take when they took them seven games to beat the Celtics, I said the same thing going against the Thunder. I was like, "There's no way the Thunder are coming out of the West, the Heat are coming out of the East." We do have a and long history happened. of you telling me LeBron's not making the finals, yeah. and every year I have to tell you, "Yes, he is." Yeah, and I didn't say that this year. It's a weird gamble to go with, you know, that five years in a row. I'm just lucky to have that. That's not a streak that usually happens. Yeah. But, I mean, you just can't count out LeBron. There has to be something in his way, and I guess that speaks more to your point. There hasn't been anything truly in his way. I mean, you you have close with the 2011 Derrick Rose Bulls, but then, you know, Derrick Rose gets injured. Uh, you have the Celtics right then, as we mentioned, didn't have Avery Bradley, and it was the, you know, basically their big three on their last leg. Yeah. Well, not on their last leg, because Paul Pierce is still draining buzzer beaters, oh, even if a couple are .2 seconds uh, late. Yeah. He's he's still there, so may, maybe they're not But he got himself yet. in shape, and he rested. He was resting in those last, that whole month, you know, before the season ended. Well, I mean, everybody does that, though. Like, that's just that's just strategy. But you'd do it more when you're 38, or what is he, 38? 38, yeah. 37. I think he just turned 38. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's still going, so... Yeah. You just never know on that. Let's look at a couple of the stats here that, I mean, I know you have a couple here. These are the ones that I'm looking at. Number one, Cavs blocks, as we were talking about being big versus being strong. The Cavs average about .8 more blocks a game. They both get blocked about the same amount of times. It's uh, 4.5 they get blocked by their opponents, but Cavs block 6.9 a game. This is in the playoffs. These are playoff stats, not and as we said, it's a different thing versus the East. But it's also, there's a huge thing. I mean, if we look at uh, regular season stats, Hawks would have ran away with the Cavaliers. But sometimes you have to look at playoff stats. And going into that series, we knew Cavs were going to take the Hawks. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. It was, it, it was, the writing was already on the wall. Yep. So looking at these playoff stats, uh, we also have Cavs actually have higher point differentials, which is crazy to think with how much the Warriors were just blowing out teams. I mean, you know, you have a couple of those uh, Grizzly games that were close that they finally won. Uh, The Rockets, you know, Harden turning it over at the end of that game. But for the most part, it just felt like every game was like a 15-point victory. And if it wasn't, it was a 25-point victory that was just slightly whittled down while, you know, Curry rested, which is pretty much what they've been doing all season, which is another reason why when we look at these uh, per to figure out MVP, I don't trust it. You look at plus-minus, I don't trust it because – Essentially, Curry and the Warriors would run up a you know thirty point victories, pull Curry for the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden the other team comes roaring back. So his plus minus is just ramped up. Yeah, and it's you know some of it is magic. Now when we talk about the Warriors having an efficient defense, that is not some analytics magic. They happen to be really good. Yeah. But when we're looking at things like that, things on defense, uh, rebounds for the Cavs, they've out-rebounded their opponents by two a game. The Warriors are about even with their opponents. Uh, not not a huge disparity there. But on these things, do you think that that's a face-in-the-east reason that the Cavs are having those stats? Or do you think they're going to even out when they face the Warriors? Well, I think you're going to see the stats change. Um, 
I think you're gonna you're gonna see that affected both ways. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure, really. I, I, w- I would say that, yeah, I think the I think the Warriors are better, a lot better defensively than the Hawks. But you know, you brought up the rebounds. I'm I'm the one that's you know harping on how uh, how bit how much bigger the Warriors are, but. Um, also, the, the rebound stats can vary just based on the fact the Warriors don't miss. Yeah, you know, the, that's the Cavs' offensive rebounds is really high, but you have to miss the shots to get those offensive rebounds. And you also have, you know, have Tristan Thompson jumping out of the freaking building yeah. to go get most of those rebounds. Yeah. But you have things like that. I would say, even if those stats hold up, that doesn't necessarily give an advantage to the Cavs. Mm-hmm. When you look at things like uh, fast, break, fast break points a game, the Warriors 21, Cavs 7. I mean, that's just a ridiculous advantage, and, I mean, it doesn't even have to fully hold up. Say that even, like, is half. Like, if you go, you know, it's 15 to 10. That is still an advantage per game that's just, it's hard to overcome. And especially, the big thing I think we'll look at in this series is, can the Cavs keep their pace? Because what they've been doing is, they, like I said, trying to mimic what the Grizzlies did. Slow it down, bring it to a grind. Don't make your offense get out of rhythm just to slow it down, but you need to bring it down because the Warriors are the best at getting you to run their style. They get you running. They get you just out of the rhythm that you want. And LeBron is just infamous for when he gets pulled out of his pace, he goes to ISOs. And Cavs are actually number two in ISOs during the season which no team has ever won the NBA Finals in the top five in ISO plays. Like, I, th- I think ever. It might be just the last 20 years, but whatever the stats That's the merger, is. or whatever they say. Yeah, whatever it well, was, 40 years, but yeah. yeah. Whatever it is, like, you don't win playing ISOs, and LeBron goes to it like a crutch. And you'll have David Blatt, who will try to call plays. Apparently LeBron just gets to call his own plays. So if LeBron just happens to be in a mood to go for ISOs and David Blatt's yelling at him to get these pick and rolls going, mm-hmm. like I've literally seen him. I mean, this was in the last game when they won against the Hawks. David Blatt's yelling at LeBron to run a pick and roll, and LeBron's just sitting there on the block waiting and waiting, and he just backs down his man. It's like if you do that against the Warriors, you're done. Yeah. If you start running these ISOs, which – the Warriors will get you out of pace. LeBron will try to slow it down that way instead of slowing it down by going through the plays they're supposed to do. And if that happens, yeah, the series is over. The, se- the series is probably over in five. Well, and you also have to think about um, how good of a three-point shooting team the Rockets were, you know, going into the Warriors series. And you look at the same. That's kind of what the Cavs are. You know, they've relied heavily on the three. You know, we've seen we've seen what Jr. did in one of those games. I know LeBron struggling from the three. Um, Dova had a pretty decent three-point percentage. I don't have his stats here. Well, I might, but not his three-point percentage. But, you know, the, that's what the that's what the Warriors can do. They can force you away from the perimeter. And I think that's what they're going to try to do with the... That's what they're going to try to do to the Cavs. And I, I think they're going to succeed. The Warriors also like to shoot threes, though. And the Cavs have been just as successful keeping their opponents down, at least in the playoffs, keeping down their three-point percentage. And... I think the big thing that comes in then is how you play from the inside. And it's actually crazy. The Warriors are the second best field goal percentage playoff team within five feet. Uh, 63% over the Cavs, 60%. And they make slash attempt two more a game. Which is crazy to think with you know how much the Cavs rely on LeBron to attack the basket. And how much you think of the Warriors just being Clay Thompson and Seth Curry just shooting from everywhere. They get it done at the rim, and if they can outmatch the Cavs in that facet, and then it becomes a three-point game, the Warriors are going to win the three-point game every single time. Yeah. So I don't know how you win when the one thing that should be your advantage, the Warriors are actually doing better than anybody else right now. That's I, I've been defending the Cavs this entire time, and I don't know what to do anymore. I pick I picked the Cavs before I, I didn't get into my prediction yet. I picked the Cavs before the season, before the playoffs started. I had Cavs Warriors. I think it was six or seven. Either way, I, I, I picked the Cavs. I didn't feel good about it. Felt less good about it when Kevin Love went out. And right now, 
I can't give up. I can't give up on LeBron. I'm going to go Cavs in seven, and I don't I don't know what to do. I Man, that's crazy. I I don't know. You know, I look at the Warriors, um, you know, minus the experience. I look at them uh, a little bit like what the Spurs were last year. You know, they don't move the ball as well as the Spurs, but at least it, it, de- it depends. I mean, nobody did. Nobody, I don't well, think. Well, nobody passes it as well as them. Yeah. But when you think of the way that Curry dribbles, you know, the Spurs didn't have anybody who could play. Like, like the only one they have is Tony Parker, who the last couple years is half the time he kind of looks like the Tony Parker we've come to know. And the other half of the time, you know, his hammy's out, his ankle's out. We haven't seen it. And he, that's not still not even handles. He just drives in a way that, you know, I've never seen somebody who's like 6'2 just magically appear in the paint and do this little spin move hook shot. It's like, that's a bigs move. How do you, how do you keep pulling this off every time? Mm-hmm. They don't have the dribblers. They just they kept it moving. They kept it moving. They have spot up shooters and Danny Green. They have you know Kawhi was kind of learning how to drive, but he's still he's still even this year isn't quite there. And you know Tim Duncan figuring out where in the post to either take his little backboard shot or kick it out. They don't have any dribblers. Clay can dribble. Steph can dribble. Sean Livingston can not only dribble. He's fucking like six eight and yeah. will back down whatever random point guard he put on him, and he'll just sit. And that's another thing that we're gonna have to get to at a, another point in time is how post players are disappearing, but only post bigs are disappearing. We're getting to a point in the game where it's about whether you have point guards, shot guards, and small forwards who can post up smaller players, and those are where the posts are coming from. Because why do you want to go down low and you know run into the stifle tower, Rudy Gobert? and have him block the shit out of you when you can have Sean Livingston back down, you know, in this, back down Kyrie. That's back down. I mean, if they can pull that off. But that's another thing is how much can these other players stop that? If, you know, Sean Livingston's trying to back down Kyrie, that only works if you can clear it out. Mm-hmm. But Bogut can't necessarily shoot deep. Jermon Green can't necessarily shoot deep. So if Tristan Thompson and... Uh, Mozgov are on their game they stay down low they allow those outside shots by these other players and they don't let Livingston make his living I can't really do the pun there but I almost did Uh, you don't let him make his living down low you just you you don't let him so that's one of the things where other teams I think were better prepared for that like you know the Hawks don't have the point guard to back somebody down they have Jeff Teague but they have you know Millsap, they have Piero Antich, they have these guys who are bigs that can move out of the paint and allow that guard to back down the smaller player, and you can't really help defense because you can't both be in the paint helping and guarding that big who can shoot from the outside. And we're seeing that crazy. We're going to see that in the draft with Carl Anthony Towns. There's just We don't even need post players anymore. We just need seven-foot guys who can shoot. So, as much as everybody hates Frank Kaminsky as a draft pick, he's probably going to make his way into the NBA and yeah. kick some ass because that's exactly what At what position? At stretch 4-5-ish. <laughs> I don't know. He can't really play the three in terms of guarding faster wings, but all right, we're, we're going way off topic. <laughs> I, I think we've covered most of it in terms of what we think is going to happen. Uh-huh. I... My prediction is Cavs, but it's a gambler's prediction. Oh, yeah, big time. I am I still probably think the Warriors take it, but I'm going to put my money on the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Also, when we're talking about it being Kyrie being the X Factor, do we want to put our money on Kyrie? Because I think the uh, – I don't remember what the odds were for Curry winning the MVP, but it was – you know he's the odds-on favorite. LeBron's almost one-to-one. But then you get to Clay Thompson and Kyrie. I think Clay was like twelve to one, and Kyrie was like sixteen to one. Just put money on Clay and Kyrie. Like, imagine this outcome either way. You're worried about the Warriors taking you, so you have to take out Curry, right? You do that. Next best player, Clay, is the one who gets open. He has monster games. He wins the MVP. Or you have another side. You're putting all your eggs in the basket of stopping LeBron. But Cavs stay in it. They end up having Kyrie goes off for a monster 40-point game at some point. Kyrie gets MVP. Man, that's good money. And 
I mean, at 12 to 1 odds and 16 to 1 odds, just throw 10 bucks down on both. Maybe you lose 20 bucks. Maybe you win a couple hundred bucks. Seems like a good plan. Yeah. I'm getting into gambling now. It's probably not good. I should probably stay away from it. I, I don't make enough money for this. Yeah, but you make a good point, though, with uh, you know, with the Cavs being a gambler's prediction. Because uh, if they did win... You're cashing in, <laughs> so I I I just I, I can't see it. I can't see the Cavs doing it, but see this, they've proved me wrong. They are the LeBron's. I don't me see wrong the difference many, many being as much as me saying that you know it couldn't happen. Yeah. I still odds are the Warriors take it, but the disparity there. I mean, especially like I'm like I said about the Grizzlies series. The Grizzlies had them on the ropes. If they had any sort of offense outside of and what happened in that series. I think we had this discussion when the series was happening. Essentially, Marcus All kept playing from the high post and he kept dragging Bogut outside. And Zach Randolph just went apeshit on Jermon Green, which we hadn't seen happen yet. At, to that point in the season, Jermon Green has, you know, been the best defensive player in the league, playing every position, guarding every position. And nobody had really taken it to him, even when he was undersized. But when Zebo is backing you down by himself, and you don't have Bogut there as a rim protector, and that's the key for Green, he needs Bogut there. Yeah. Gasol pulled him out, and the Grizzlies, that's how they got that 2-1 lead. That's how they got the 2-1 game lead. And towards the end of that second game, they switched, and they put Jermon Green on Marcus Gasol, which you would think would be a bigger mismatch on the 7-footer. But since Gasol wasn't playing in the post anyways, Green could stick with him and shut him down. Well, at least minimize his impact. I think Marcus Gasol was shooting like 5 of 15. He, was, he wasn't shooting that well before he switched, so it didn't matter. But it was the idea that you had to guard him that far out. And you put Bogut on Zebo, and he actually shut down Zebo for the rest of it. And that became the winning formula. And, you know, without Jeff Green scoring, with Mike Conley still kind of getting over that facial injury... They didn't have enough offense to pull it off, but defensively they did it. Now, if the Cavs can do that, and LeBron can just, you know, as long as he's not gassed, which, you know, they had that exhaustion thing at the end of the, the, the speculation that he was exhausted when he fell down at the end of the Hawks game. He was really just being a drama queen. But what she's good at. if LeBron attacks, Kyrie is healthy enough to actually be there to take the threes, which that's the big difference. I mean, their three-point shooting is not going to... You can't just have J.R. Smith jacking up threes all the time. He does that against the Warriors, they're in trouble. But if you have Kyrie out there to do it, they have just enough offense, and they can steal a couple games. And that's the big thing against the Warriors is, I say, you know, if the Warriors win, like, 4-2, then that means the Warriors probably won three games that they ran the Cavs, won by, like, 10 one game that they they squeaked one out, and then the two Cavs victories will either be within margin, you know, they they win by like five or six. They might have had it in hand, but it was close. There could have been a run at the end, and there wasn't. And there'll be like a game where the Cavs had to just take one at the buzzer. If it's a series the Cavs win, then you need to have none of those games go to the Warriors, which that's hard to predict. It's hard to imagine that the Warriors can't win one of those close games. But when you're facing LeBron James, you never know. I mean, that's just that's just the facts of it. If I think there's close enough games, there's going to be, you know, maybe the Warriors win two that are blowouts. But if the Cavs can steal those close games, they can make it a series. And once it's a series, then the Warriors have to think, can we do this? Because they're the ones who haven't been there. As much as it's the Cavs and this is a new team and there are a bunch of guys who haven't made the playoffs, LeBron's been there. Yeah. LeBron knows what he needs to do. And if, if that's what happens, then it's anybody's guess. But, you know, that's a lot of ifs and ifs and what's, what ifs to get to. I think the Cavs can take it in six, or they can take it in seven. Most likely, this is the Warriors series. Yeah, I agree. I just think there's, there's, too, much that ha- there's too much that has to go right for the Cavs. I think for them to win it. For one thing, they have to steal one in Oakland. They've got to take the first one. They got one of the first two. I yeah, think. I. LeBron hasn't been good at taking that first one, but he has been good at winning the series, anyways. Well, it, well, no, uh, yeah, you're right. He's he. There's been many series where he's lost game one. There's been a ton of them. You know, we can, There's a there's a laundry list of them. 
but um, he's not gonna he can, he's not gonna go o two and win the series. No, I don't, but, I don't think. He's but if they if they win the first if they win the second game, which or, they could, but they have to. Or I mean, there is the ability to take it in Cleveland and then just need him to still. That, but it's not two that, three two anymore either. It's two two one one one. Yeah. So he's, you're gonna have to, even if you if you go o two, then you're obviously gonna have to go two more. You're gonna, you're gonna have to take both in Cleveland, and then you got game five. And they're six and one, on, at home. So that's that's what I'm saying. You got to win one of the first two games. Yeah. And, and, and then on top of that, Irving's got to be 100 percent because he's going to have to take his turns on it. See, you say six one in Oakland, but isn't isn't the Cavs like are they undefeated at home? Do they lose one at home? They've lost less games. They've only lost. They two. may have lost one at home against. So the it was Bulls. one and one. So they they have the equal. They either have an equal record or a better record at home than the Warriors. But they don't have. So as much as we it, love so. the Roracle, as much as we yeah. want to like overhype it, it's not like they're doing too bad. And what the hell is it called in Cleveland? I don't know. But still, you know the Warriors. The fact is, you know you get to play four games in Oakland and three games in That's Cleveland. True. So. And then you're you, you gotta you gotta worry about Smith. You gotta worry about his behavior on the court. You know you know he, there's a yeah. threat there's a threat of a of a of a of an injection. Of a, but injection, there's also Deladova is doing the best at getting other people kicked out of games. So <laughs> I think that's more important than J.R. Smith making an ass out of himself and yeah. getting himself ejected. And then you gotta worry about foul trouble too, because like we you know we both know the Warriors are deeper. You know what the Cavs got. You know they're coming off the bench with they've got to trust uh, Jr. Deladova, Deladova, and James Jones. That's their rotate. That's that's their bench rotation. Which is just sad. Yeah, exactly. James Jones is still in a bench rotation. Yeah, thirty-four-year-old Del- guy. Deladova is like the crowning achievement in that group, and most people wouldn't even think he should be on the team. So it's that's uh, <laughs> pretty crazy. So yeah, I mean, we're like in agreement, but not in agreement because I just have to go for the. I, I need some drama. I can't mm-hmm. just have the Warriors be number one from. You know the beginning. They can't be in pole position and take the race as well. I, I I need the Cavs to win, which is weird that LeBron is my underdog. It is weird to think of it's, it that way because all the years. Well, I think the Spurs were the favorite last year, but the Heat were the but, favorite. But the year when you've made it four years in a row, and then you made it now it's five years in a yeah. row. Like even if like Vegas wise, you're you're the underdog. You're not really the underdog, and I'd say in this one they are. I don't think last year they were the underdog. I think it was still like most people thought it was going to be the Heat. They'd already done it the year before. We kind of saw the Spurs, like they were running over people, but it was like, that's, you know, the Thunder got injured, you know. They the, didn't have a backup for two of those games. Yeah, and who did they face a series before? Was it the Grizzlies? We just yeah. don't trust the Grizzlies to ever do anything. Yeah. And then the first series was, like I said, Mavericks. If Dwan Blair doesn't need Tiago Splitter in the back of the head, the Spurs don't even go to the finals. They don't even get to the second round. So, they, imagine that. Instead yeah. of it, they go from losing in the most just heartbreaking fashion that year against the Heat, then it would have been two straight years of one and done, and they're back to being the old Spurs that we remember for you know from 2007 to 2012. Yeah, it changes it's, everything. And that but, would, you're absolutely right. That but would, instead, Dynasty, Tim yeah. Duncan's arguably the greatest power forward ever. Yeah. It's... it's that I mean, now, I mean, it's literally the difference between, you know, those three titles, which there have been teams that to win three titles, to now. I mean, you got Spurs. Talk, you got guys talking about how they're better than Bill Russell Celtics. They're. I mean, they're, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying that that's true. No, but they're, but they, they, they're in the conversation. Well, definitely. Thanks to that title. That and then just looking at things from like a more secular type perspective, you're looking at you know. That Celtics team, like, that's great that you won nine in a row. You were also in a four-team Eastern Conference, and you won one series to get to the finals. We're talking about guys that have to go. And as I forget that the, you're comparing them to the 60s Celtics. We're talking about comparing people to the 90s and the Jordan era and people thinking that somehow there's an inferior product today which we could have a whole another hour-long me just pissed off about this because mm-hmm. it's utterly ridiculous. The idea that after not increasing the number of teams since 1995, we're at 30 teams, you have the Jordan like takeoff of the NBA. Like Everybody loves basketball because of Jordan. There's 
just kids in the inner city, urban kids, who literally look at it as a lottery ticket. They don't worry about school. They don't worry about anything else. They are on the court every single day. The massive amount of talent that has just been pushed to the NBA. And, I mean, there's people now. I mean, I don't think Sean Kemp is a good player in today's NBA. Like, you just look at how many players who are 6'10", jump out of the freaking building, have seven foot four wings. Like, that's standard. That's, like, you... There's D-League players that have all of Sean Kemp's, like, skill sets and measurements. That's crazy. Sean Kemp was a superstar in the 90s. Like, there's players like him that don't even get to make it. Remember Julian Wright for KU? Like, he couldn't even get in the rotation. And he's, what, 6'8", jumps like crazy, has these long seven foot four arms, and could out, like his dunks were crazy. He never even got a chance to break a rotation. Like for people to think that somehow the 90s were this glory area and like now they have these terrible players who don't know how to play defense. Like when I hear that, I'm just like, do you have any concept with, the 90s was all ISOs. Like we were talking about being the top in ISOs. Everybody was ISO. Like you just, you threw the ball down low to somebody they wasted 15 seconds off the shot clock, and they went for it. If you liked watching that in the 90s, I can't understand the people that say they don't like watching today's NBA when you have the Spurs playing like a goddamn soccer team, just kicking it over and over again, never letting the ball stop. Like, it it just messes with me when I hear that. Like, the NBA is head and shoulders above what it used to be. I mean, just from the fact that with what Jordan did, bringing all the money to the NBA... You now have, you know, guys that are getting state-of-the-art, like, care, medical care, doing all these different things to make sure that they're in game shape. And then you have uh, the way they do Sport VU to track the statistics to figure this thing out. Do you know what they actually use? Mm-hmm. They use, I think it's like 13 cameras that track the player data, and they use a, it's the same system that Israel uses for, uh, anti-missile defense. That's what tracks the player's movement. So when you have these types of things, yeah. you're going to have better players, better talent. Better scouts, too. Yeah. I mean, just... I, yeah. That's a that's a whole other thing, and I think we're getting closer right now time, and I have a few things I want to hit on yeah. before we finish this up. Uh, the coaching carousel. That's the, that's the big thing. You, starting with, I mean, most prominently, I mean, the, the Magic had already gotten rid of Jock Vaughn at the beginning of the year. kind of sucks losing out that KU player, but... Uh, you have Thibodeau since the beginning of the season pretty much it's been common knowledge that he was on his way out didn't matter that he's had the best winning percentage in Chicago since Phil Jackson and that he was actually I mean through most statistics he's a top 5 coach in the NBA right now they didn't I mean part of that is just running the players under the ground they, they blamed him for the Derrick Rose injuries they blamed him for Jimmy Butler getting injured this season, playing 38 minutes. They've told him, hey, we need you to play McDermott. We need you to play Tony Snell. And he basically said, F you. They're not good enough. I don't trust them. And he just wouldn't listen to the management on those things. There was also, actually, to tie into the NBA Finals, uh, one of the rumored things that they got into an argument over was uh, the coaching staff wanted to get Jermon Green. And instead, I forget who they picked. It was, oh, Marquise Teague from Kentucky, who's not even in the league anymore. So that was one of the big things that set them off. So it's just looking more and more like the Bulls front office doesn't know what the hell they're doing. But they had Fred Hordberg set up from the get-go. They had what they wanted. And I thought Thibodeau was going to go to the Pelicans. That's what it looked like. Instead, they go and stab Alvin Gentry from the Warriors. There's just a lot of NBA Finals connections happening right there. The Magics get Scott Skiles. Only thing left open is the Nuggets. I don't see... Do you see that as a spot for Thibodeau to go to? I mean, I don't feel like that's a good team. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not very well read on the coaching transactions, unfortunately. But, <clears throat> but I don't know. The Nuggets have... You know they've always been above average. It seems. What were they this year? What was their? They I know they didn't. They obviously didn't make the playoffs. But yeah, they were, they were right there. Like I want to say probably 
eight games under five hundred, nine games. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, they're always you know we haven't seen a terrible Nuggets team. At all yeah, but time. they also they're probably gonna have to lose Ty Lawson. I mean, Ty Lawson's not just gonna sit there in mediocrity. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what they've been as mediocrity. Yeah, they they and that's they're doing the opposite of what the 76ers are doing, and I I can't decide which franchise is doing better. Like, I can't. <laughs> uh, which is funny when you think of it that yeah. way when you see how bad the Sixers are, but. You so, know. I don't see Thibodeau going there, but there's not a lot of options. I did see Chris Sheridan post something that said in uh, that there's going to be a surprise firing that nobody expects, which then makes you think, what's a surprise? You know, Is it the Lakers deciding to get their like fifth coach in two and a half years and go and get Thibodeau? Like, well, yeah, what, exactly. What is a surprise anymore? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I want to see where Thibodeau goes because I – Instantly, they're a playoff team. Or, I mean, if you go to the West, instantly you're almost in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a fun one. I've 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 been keeping up with the coaching just because you know I was hoping Thibodeau would go and get a mold Anthony Davis and that Pelicans team into that uh, similar to the Bulls defense. Me too. And it would it would have been fun to watch. Me too. Uh, go NBA draft. Uh, is there anybody you like? Coming out, anybody that, I mean, obviously, Towns at the top of the pile, Okafer, uh, they're talking Russell at three, but there's a lot of just sit there. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody that stands out that you think is going to be a steal? I do not. I, I, I don't I don't trust the the picks that well this year. Uh, I mean, what, how... I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? About, what, what do you think in particular about Ogrefer? I uh, his big his opinion. big minus. I mean, actually, the two big minuses is just as we've been talking about getting those bigs who don't post up because that's just not what happens anymore. Uh, that's the number one thing. He's that traditional center. Uh, he doesn't quite shoot very well from the outside, as opposed to Towns. It's really good. Mid, he's gonna have a really good mid range game at the very least. Uh, the other thing with Ogrefer is the defense. I mean. Towns is already head and shoulders above him on defense. But a lot of that was due to the fact that he didn't want to get in foul trouble, and they didn't want to expend him on that end at Duke. Like, they needed him on offense, so he played on offense, and he didn't put in effort because, I mean, but outside of that, he's, he's quick on his feet. He's got the, the, the reach. He's got the build. There's nothing that would say he couldn't be good on defense. He might have a DeMarcus Cousins kind of uh, growing pain on defense, but you look at him right now, he's playing pretty good. So those, those are the two big negatives for him, and that's why they're going Towns. Uh, I think the big one that's going to be a steal, whoever gets him around five to eight, uh, Collie Stein, I mean, that's exactly what you want. He's a seven-footer who, if you remember that Notre Dame game, facing Jerry and Grant and just guarding him, full court to make sure that they won that game. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can shadow a guard like that. He could guard all five positions and he's like a Tyson Chandler but super athletic. And if even if his like ceiling is Tyson Chandler, that's worth it. And I think it's higher than that. So that's gonna be a steal. And then like there's so many I was looking at some statistics the other day that compared you know, with in recent years, like I, I want to say it was in like the last ten years, like when you go outside of the top five, like how big of a drop off in talent, you know, how big of a drop off in career years there are, and like what you said, if if uh, if uh, God, not who were you just who were you just talking about? Collie Stein. Yeah, Collie Stein. Uh, if he is a Tyson Chandler at what five six, what do you think he's gonna land at a steal? Uh. Pretty much right now, if they even who gets him at five, it's, it's still a steal because yeah. you can't really pick him at two or three with how limited he is on yeah. the offense. But by the defense and by the fact that he fits everything that mm-hmm. the NBA is becoming, whoever gets him, it's a steal. Mm-hmm. Five, five to eight is probably about where he's going to go. It's tough to predict with the, the European guys. There's a couple really good Euros that are coming over, and mm-hmm. they're actually... Uh, almost guaranteed to come over, as opposed to most of the European players that they end up picking high. You know, they wait a year and they stash them and different stuff. One of them's playing. I think it's uh, Chris Stapps, Przingi or Przingi. I don't know how to say any of those names, but uh, he plays for Barcelona, I think, and he's it, like he's having a conflict with them, so he's definitely going to try to get here as fast as possible. Uh, I think with you know. 
you never know what happens with those kind of picks, and they that will move around where people land in the top ten. But wherever Collie Stein lands, that's a big one. Uh, we also the KU players. That's a tough one to figure out. Uh, Ubre is is uh, around ten or eleven. I mean, there's a chance. Imagine him going to the Heat and getting to be that secondary to Wade, and if Wade doesn't play, then Ubre gets a lot of minutes. Gets to sit there with Dragic, fits in an offense that's perfect for him. Does he remind you? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember how big Selby was, but does he remind you anything no, like Selby? No, because all right, one Selby was like six two, oh, so okay. the height is the main reason Ubre is getting the. What about Xavier? That it's a close one, but yeah. uh, Ubre is a lot. He jumps in. He gets. He tries. Xavier kind of had that same problem that most of our one and dones have been. And that's that he's hesitant. Which, I mean, Wiggins would have even fell into that trap if not going to the Timberwolves and getting to be the only, like, player worth a damn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Xavier just, at any point in time, he's, I mean, he's never been bad, but he's never done the things to get better. Uh, Ubre, I mean, even when he, you know, he didn't get a lot of minutes early on because he wasn't playing defense, by the end of it, he was jumping passing lanes and doing things that a lot of the other players weren't doing. Yeah. Uh, you have the three-point threat. Uh, the big thing, like, whatever other comparisons you're trying to do, the big reason Selby never made it is because he couldn't dribble. Like, if you can't dribble, you're kind of screwed at the NBA level. You can't make your own shot. Ubre can dribble. He can play defense. He's at just the right height that, you know, he's he's going to play the three. He doesn't, I don't know, if he works on a few things, he could play down to the four a few times. But... I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that, at the very least, they're going to let him sit on the wing and shoot. You know, they're just mm-hmm. going to let him take take threes. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll get the opportunities more so than maybe Xavier did. Uh, Xavier also just got injured a bunch, so that, that I mean, that kind of you can't really predict that. True. Uh, then there's Cliff Alexander, who is still for whatever reason going to be picked in the first round. Are you serious? Oh, I haven't seen he, a recent mock draft. So uh, I, I think he might be like 22, 25, something like that. And he's throwing Bill Self under the bus in his, his interviews, so he des- definitely hasn't matured, if anything. I, I don't know. That's disappointing. You know, I I read about how hard he was working, even in practice, like, uh, when he knew he wasn't going to play in the tournament, and, you know, that, to me, I saw as a positive, and, you know, I also, you know, I heard I heard him talk about how, you know, if he figured out that he wasn't going to be suspended next year, that he'd want to come back, and so, you know, I had been hearing good things about Cliff, but this has been, you know, this was back in March. Yeah. Um... And so now that you say that, now that you say that he's going to get picked in the first round, I think that's hilarious. You know, I mean, you saw the 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 thing is about Cliff is he wasn't even a starter for KU. I don't. Well, I mean, he does. I mean, he would have started, but when he did start, he was he was a flop. He he did bad. He did, and I don't. I think the the difference between college and NBA is growing steadily. Like as far as talent, like I think. You know, I, I, I just think it's ridiculous when they talk about how, you know, Kentucky can beat, you know, Philadelphia and just never in a million years. I, well, most of the stats show that if you played them enough times, they might steal a couple games just because the big advantage for pros versus college is just the fact that they're grown men. You're facing 25-year-olds who have been in the weight room for eight years. You know, that's the big difference. And 76ers don't necessarily have that, you know, because a lot of the players are young. There's enough guys that, yeah, they probably just... They don't even need to be uh, better skills-wise. They're just going to beat the crap out of them. So that's that's part of why the 76 wouldn't lose, and it's a terrible argument. The the NFL versus college football is the one that's like... Mm. But in a basketball game, if you have that many All-Americans, that many McDonald's All-Americans on one team versus a 76ers team that's purposely traded off anybody who became good because they want to stay bad to get those top picks. Yeah. You know. They I it it year after year it gets closer that the 76ers might have a tough time against the national champs. <laughs> I disagree, but I don't, you know, I don't have enough knowledge to argue. So. I I would initially I was the same way when I looked at it, but when you Look at the stats. I think the Vegas odds, which those guys apparently just know more than the rest of us, is uh, if it was NBA rules, the 76ers would be 16-point favorites, 
which is still a reasonable enough margin that those upsets have happened. Oh, yeah. And then uh, if it was college rules, it would be 12. So it's close enough that it's not inconceivable that they'd win one. Now, you bite them 100 times, you know, the 76ers are going to win 99. But that one time, I, I love that little Giants movie. Yeah. One time. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it takes. Yeah, you're right. I, you know... One out of a hundred. I can see that. So it's all you yeah. need. Yeah. And then you then you get to be the one that and that's the other thing is the reason that it's inconceivable is because it's one thing to think this team versus that team talent wise. But if a pro basketball team has to face a college team one time and they will forever be known as that team that lost that college team, they are gonna give hundred and ten percent. They're gonna do terrible things to that college team. That college team is gonna have to see a therapist. For the next couple years after what happens to him facing that pro team that doesn't want to get embarrassed. So when you factor in that, college team never wins. The way you said that, I mean, you, you think, it almost sounded like you think it's a possibility that, it, that, no. that, that, that this, you know, college with, sometime kind of. With how good Kentucky was with All-Americans, because you have to think. They have seven players. Well, I mean, like, like the game could actually happen. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But uh, when you look at it realistically. Yeah. No, but then you, you're talking about seven players on Kentucky that are going to get drafted this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as only, what, four or five are going to be uh, top first-round picks, you're still looking at maybe, you know, a lot of the 76ers players are undrafted. So, they're... <laughs> It's not the 76ers are good enough to do it. So, but we're going to have to finish this one up. That was good to have you in here today, Bernie. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. That was fun. That's it for the Tell Me More podcast. Thanks for joining in, guys. We'll have more as soon as we can.